Welcome to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. Everyone has at least one good story. And some of us have stories that are just to the left of normal. We're interested in the ones that push the boundaries of what we can perceive. Stories that defy explanations. Stories with an air of mystery. Stories we might not share. For fear of being thought of differently. But don't worry. We're all friends here. So, what's what's your your weird story? Hello, Weirdsville. Hello, Weirdsville. Hello, Weirdsville. (laughs) Hello, Weirdsville. How are you? (laughs) Sounds like somebody's been isolated a bit too long Uh, over there. Yeah, I'm in my own universe. (laughs) I guess it was the conversation about candy that kind of has me, you know. Before we, we started recording, we started talking about candy. But anyway, I'm your host, Barry Johnston, and with me as always, my cohort in uh, candy knowledge and loving of the sugar, as I do, we're both mm. stocked up on the Toffee for the coronavirus uh, epidemic outbreak. Mr. Adam Beebe, how are you, sir? I am doing well. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. We're hunkering down, man, getting used to a, a little different way of life, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, it's it's different, but it's not too different, really, if I'm yeah. honest, because I just am at that point in life where I just uh, I work and then I uh, I come home and I hang out with my cats and that's basically basically what I'm still doing right now because I can still work by making doing deliveries and such, right? And it's fairly isolated from people and i don't come in contact with a lot of people and um so i can still do that which is good you know because that needs to be yeah continuing to happen so and it will keep... that, that's a good thing is what you're doing because uh yeah, yeah it'll continue to happen people are going to stay home and order stuff it's the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and you are also able to continue yeah. to do your work yes and, um, and yeah i'm outside so i'm not really around people um mm-hmm. and uh yeah i mean we're just so we're kind of business as usual until otherwise informed, you know. Um, yep. I mean, of course, you got to be careful when you're you're going into uh, to places that you know may yeah. have uh, a, a crowd or. Yeah. But for the most part, if you play it right, you know you can minimize that. At least where I am, I know in in other you know parts of you know like where you're at, mm. probably a little bit more populated. You have a mm-hmm. little bit more hard time making that happen, but. But yeah, it's kind of weird, man. And everybody I talk to is just like, can you believe what's going on here? I mean, this is just not, this is unprecedented. 9-11 yeah. was nothing like this, man. You know? Well, it's, yeah, it's a whole, it's a whole different whole thing. whole nother and level. We've never had anything like this, no. really. In, you know, not in our lifetime and probably not in much people's living memory. Yeah. You know, because the only time that we've had a mass outbreak of any kind of thing uh, and we haven't even had that yet, but enough to where we had, you know, people that were, people were staying in a lot, you know, was, you know, a uh, hundred years ago with right. the, um, 
with that flu uh, yeah. epidemic, you know, so. You remember in the 80s when the HIV epidemic was a thing, right? And everybody mm-hmm. was really freaked out and scared oh, because yeah. cause we didn't know much about it, you know, and it was just unprecedented times. It, yeah, was, it, yeah. it wasn't it uh, was until, you know, you have a little time to look back on it where you're like, okay, we actually did a pretty good job of getting that. I mean, considering. We really did. Yeah, considering. You know, I mean, well. Once we became very aware of it, mm-hmm. we did a pretty good job of trying to, you know, right. as, well, what we're talking about now is flatten that curve. Right. Now, we're still, we're comparatively, between the two uh, outbreaks and epidemics, we're ahead at this point right. than we would have been with with uh, AIDS and HIV. Um, because that was a slower buildup and, you know, and was spreading out and it didn't have as quick of a turnaround yep. on affecting people. And it it was a different kind of transmission. Yep. And, you know, because a lot of it started in, you know, the um, at that point in time, the more unmentionable parts of society mm-hmm. where it was, you know, um, in the intravenous drug users, people using shooting up and using the same needle, dirty needles, and predominantly in the uh, gay scene uh, yeah. for you know the homosexual men, where a lot of people were still very closeted and you know weren't very weren't as open and would get that you know because people didn't know they had it or people didn't care if they had it because right. they didn't know it was that bad you yeah. know so yeah but yeah once we finally started understanding that it wasn't just limited to this this group or that group or whatever. It could affect anybody and everybody. And the easiest ways to contain it was just, you know, either, you know, abstain from sex with people you don't know or, you right. know, using a condom or, you know, monogamy as, you know, and not just keeping your body fluids to yourselves, you know, right. or, or to one partner, you know, stuff like that. I mean, just being smart about it. And right. that's what, if we all start being smart about it, this, now we wash our hands. We, you know, we we don't gather in large crowds. If we share resources instead of hoarding stuff, like that yeah. guy in Tennessee who, uh, you know, a garage and a storage unit full of hand sanitizer. Right. And then was selling it on, on eBay or Amazon, yeah, and then they start cracking down on him. What a shitty thing to do, man. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, he, you know, he started, of course, he started giving it away um, whenever, you know, the, uh, I guess the, the feds, not the right. feds, but the government, right? The, the police started coming and knocking on his door, right? Because Tennessee has an anti price gouging mm-hmm. That's uh, good. Yeah. Ball. Right. And, so, and as it should. And they should, you know what? I don't care if that guy does give it all away. You know, they estimate he made like 40K off of that stuff. Put wow. him in jail. That's so, yeah. that's wow. so wrong. Oh, that's so terrible. immoral. Jeez. That's you know, awful. It's, it's unethical. And that's and just. That's what, worst, and what so. is it with the toilet paper, man? Why, why toilet paper? Why is that the thing well, I, that people are I think hoarding? Everybody's just, I think everybody's just got the shit scared out of them. I guess so. That's just man. a terrible pun. I'm sorry, but you know, no, uh, what it is. I think what it. I think what it is is that everybody's you know, everybody's you know gets their basic necessities right. Yeah. And you start seeing less of a thing. Right. And you and it's just human nature to be like, well, I've got to get it. 
Right. Well, I've got to get what I need and then some in case I don't ever have it again. Yeah. Like, you know, because like, what if they never make toilet paper again, Mary? Right. What's going to happen? Yeah. I'll tell you what to do. If you don't have toilet paper, get a bidet. Yeah. You yeah. can get them online. Yeah. You can install them, and yeah. they're cheap. And yeah. you know, and it feels good. Couple, couple, it feels good. Squirt up well, your butthole a little well, bit. You know what I mean? Well, the first couple of times, I'm uh, your, you, you know, your butthole is going to pucker because um, you're not going to be used to it. But you will get used to it. You yeah. can get it where you can get ones that uh, get will even heat the water where you can control the heat. That's great. Um, I, Perfect. I, you know, I wish I had stock in the big companies, but I don't. But I'm just saying this is a solution, you yeah, know, that you yeah. can do. And this will be something that you can use when we have toilet paper again. And you will use less toilet paper. You just use in water. Yeah. You'll be clean as a whistle. Yeah. And oh, uh, yeah. Once you once you get used to that bidet, happy. it's hard to go back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's hard to go back. Yeah. Uh, my friend Marcus has a, a day in at his house that he set up. He's very proud of it. Uh, he gave me, uh, we recorded a video a few years ago whenever he first installed it and him demonstrating it and how it works and everything. And, uh, you know, that's one of the things I enjoy the most about going to his house is I can sit down, I can comfortably relieve myself yes. of my bowel yes. functions or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I can feel clean. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> bidets, that's where it's at. bidets are great. But And a friend with a bidet is even better. And, and you know who I feel that's like right. one of those friends could be? Our guest, Micah. That's, He's one of those guys. Yeah. You want to go over to his house and just take a slam <laughs> and use you his know? bidet, you know? Yeah, and you know, I think Micah could. You know, I agree. Micah might be somebody that would have a bidet. He could at least tell you the benefits of a bidet. He could probably tell you the history of a bidet. Um, he could tell you literary appearances of the bidet. Um, but it's you so know, true. That's it's so. True. That's what we love about Micah. Uh, oh man, you guys. Yeah, you want to talk about a wandering con- conversation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we love about Micah as well. Micah is a you know he's a return guest. He was on uh, much earlier with his buddy Gary, uh, telling the Devil Tree and some other uh, stories. The uh, the uh, the the house, the haunted house, with the with the the blue flame cult, the dog that may or may not have yes. been there, and yep. all that stuff. You remember? Yes, that. Uh, that was a great so episode. We got, that was a great episode. So we were able to get Micah back, and uh, he had a couple of stories for us. But mainly, what he had was just conversation and intelligent, interesting conversation that just wanders all over the place. We started recording almost half an hour before we actually started getting into the yeah. show proper. That's right. Um, That's right. So <laughs> yeah, so it's perfect. It's, uh, it's great. It's great. So we hope you enjoy this. We hope it takes your mind off of the world, off of the current things, because it's all over the place and it's weird and it's wacky. As always, Micah, it's a pleasure to have you on, sir. And what's your weird story? Well, I don't know if it's so much my weird story, but people tell me things. <laughs> and so I become a... A, a living repository of, of, of the bizarre and unknown and then supernatural. Um, 
and uh, living here in eastern North Carolina, um, there are some strange things that, that happen uh, culturally and um, that uh, I guess maybe we're primed for it. I, know. I mean, I, I understand the supernatural is really on the surface of things in the like third world countries. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not quite to that point yet here, but uh, I guess you could say there is something of a of an undercurrent mm-hmm. uh, running. Um, we may have spoken, uh, uh, no, we didn't speak of this last time. We spoke about my friend Gary and I going to that haunted house, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's that haunted house and the the dog that wasn't or wasn't there. And all <laughs> and, you know, so the, the blue flame call or whatever yes. apparently yeah. was it, right? Yes. Um, but... Um, but there was uh, uh, around Washington, North Carolina, a local mojo man. Uh, that was our voodoo man or hoodoo man, a do buddy uh, in Washington, North Carolina. And uh, people have been telling stories about him for years. In fact, not too long ago, one of uh, Gary's uh, patients he was working on said that, uh, oh, yeah, I was in jail with do buddy. And, uh, you know, just I guess just like a local prison cell, not maximum lockdown or anything, just local. And he said, uh, do they said, I'm not standing here. And they said a guy knew he was on the other side of the bars, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the famous stories is that he uh, down in Washington, a place called King Chicken, I think it is. Not Chicken King. I, don't know, I think it's King Chicken. Right. And supposedly he did playing card tricks. And supposedly he threw a, a card up on the ceiling of the of the roof and nobody could get it down until he came and spoke to it. And it came fluttering down or whatever wow. down to his hand. Yeah. Wow. And. And uh, supposedly a, a Native American had passed on his powers to him, and he was supposed to pass his powers on before he died. And um, But apparently he might have been, if, if I'm not mistaken, he might have been kind of a semi-fixture at King Chicken doing oh. his card tricks and stuff. And I had some st- a student tell me that her friends had been driving her car and um, he ran out in front of the car and the car just stopped in the road. And um, they said that his wife made him sleep in a cardboard box outside their trailer or whatever they were telling me. And, uh, but some of this stuff I, I, I put together in a, that comic I wrote for Image Comics, Lorna Relic Wrangler, mm-hmm. and uh, used um, you know used it into a, a do buddy backstory based on actual events. <laughs> as, <laughs> a, as we, uh, but um, but even you know uh, uh, other than that, that's he's one like I say the the local legend and uh he seems his knowledge of him still seems to persist but he's he's long dead now uh i understand they had to scrape him off the floor uh when they found his body and decomposed so much yeah wow oh yeah yeah that was one of the stories where they would say that people had been to his funeral and he was like walking around the next day which again that that might be a bit much but that time he wasn't walking off of but what i love is that gary said that they brought him into the like the, the entertain the school kids with his car tricks, you know, just oh, bring, wow. in, bring in the local <laughs> warlock to entertain the kids. You know, it's like, it's that's what North you do. Carolina. That's yeah. Eastern North Carolina, yeah, yeah. man. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I had a couple ex uh, former students tell me some, some interesting stories. One on the, 
the side of darkness and one on the side of light uh, that were very interesting. Um, the one young gentleman, very together young man, um, and um, he was telling me that he had these two angel figurines mm-hmm. and you he would set them on a mantle and he would come home and one of them would now be right next to the other. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, it would next to the other. And he said that like if one of them had one of them eventually fell off or and his cat would be staring at the empty space as though he were seeing something. Um he would come back and a light a light would be on in the house. You know, I mean he'd left the lights off but the light was on. Huh. And what was interesting about that, well, yeah, as if that wasn't interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, the backstory to that was he had brought those um, uh, figures from uh, from home, mm-hmm. and his mother got on him as a young man about being nasty or being dirty with those figures. What are you talking about? And what he come to find out, she had found like one line on top of the other. You know, oh, like okay. some like something a you know thirteen year old boy you know would think was funny, but he didn't do it. Right, right. So he didn't Man. do it, and um, to to me that that really exposes something of the nature of the demonic. Mm-hmm. That is just it's just these little punks, you know, <laughs> these bratty <laughs> mentality. I mean, it it's. Uh, I know in movies, you know, it's, you know, I'm Lord Belasco of the Nine Circle of Hell. Right. Been before me, priest. Right. You know, but in real life, it's like, hey, Beelzebub, want to see something? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. it's a butthead. And um, I had another student, former student, tell me that, you know, we were talking, I think it was the time Paranormal Activity had come out. Uh-huh. And, uh, and he said that his dad was going to go into the ministry and he said every night the the in the cabinets in their house started slamming slamming by themselves mm-hmm. and then his sister is like daddy there's a shadow in my room and it's getting larger <laughs> you know uh, yeah Whoa. and he rebuked it in the name of Christ and everything stopped wow. and wow. that but that happened every night in a row and then it stopped, you know, and he would rebuke it and it would stop. Huh. And would it happen again the, the following night? Would yeah, right, fight? right. It he was had to a, fight it every night. Yeah, and then it stopped. Oh, it was wow. totally done. Right. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But there again, I'm thinking, you know, if if demons are fallen angels and you've come from the presence of God and the splendor of heaven and now you're down in somebody's kitchen slamming doors to bug them, you're a loser. Don't you have better stuff to do? That yeah. that's it. Yeah. That's the and you've come down right. from divine splendor to blam blam. Yeah, you know, it's just like right. wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, that's, that's pathetic. And um, but again, that was but that was a different guy telling me that story. Going back to the figurines, mm-hmm. um, unless I'm mistaken, that young man told me that his aunt had been messing around with a Ouija board. Oh, okay. And I think there is something to those kinds of things attached oh, yeah. 
to visit, or even people, even if you're not in the vicinity. I mean, or if you're, you may be, or if you are in the vicinity, you're not even involved. Yeah. You know, if somebody is, uh, you know, not right with Christ and open to that, it may attach to you, or it may attach mm-hmm. to a. As weird as it is, a figurine, uh, I've even heard about like a haunted bunk bed, you know, right, right. <laughs> or something, something attaching to it. And sure. of course, you don't know what's going on with that, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of how does something attach to that in three dimensions out of, are you coming in out of five or six and how are you intersecting and, right. mm-hmm. you know, what, what's the thing? It's just, it's just, like I said, it's very strange. And, um, the science fiction writer, Philip K. Dick, uh, the guy who wrote, uh, do Androids dream of electric sheep that blade runners based on, mm-hmm. uh, that movie paycheck, uh, was based on him. Minority report. Yep. Okay. You know, wow. his, he's an excellent writer. Yeah. Uh, one of, one of my favorites, um, and uh, but very weird. He just started study his life. Very weird, yes. strange guy. He was doing stuff that was ahead of the Matrix about 20, 30 years, maybe. 20, if 20, not, 30. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, wow. And his stuff, and his was more interesting. I mean, but he, I've got a documentary on him, and this guy says that they were dropping acid one time and that Dick suddenly started speaking perfect Latin and saying he was a Roman gladiator. And the guy said he didn't speak Latin. Wow. He didn't. He said, I did. And he was speaking it perfectly. And I thought, what's the deal? And speaking that there's no real connection there. And then I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing one of Dick's ex-wives, and she casually mentioned that, well, I think one of his aunts had been a medium. Somebody uh-huh. talked with the dead. So there again, especially if you look at his life and his 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 psyche seemed to be kind of fractured. There's some yeah. thought that he might have been sexually abused, and you know that there's how people will split off the personality to cope with it. That didn't happen to me. That happened to so-and-so, you know, right. Right. And, you know, as a survival thing. And then he began to, um, um, you know, he play. he had a twin sister who died when he was young and she was his playmate when he was a kid. She was the one suggesting things to get him into trouble. Mm. So if somebody has already got a sort of a lesion of the psyche there mm. and you start bringing your, uh, your medium and around, you know, and he got an opening came through and yeah i heard the guy wrote the exorcist peter blatty say something along those lines on one of the commentaries Mm -hmm. and uh there's a creepy independent movie so you may have seen i think it's called session nine have you seen that movie where these guys go to it's they filmed it at a real old mental institution one of those creepy looking 19th century looks like an old castle yeah yeah and this team goes in to strip out the um the asbestos and stuff mm-hmm. and while they're there one of the inmates was possessed and it starts affecting those guys and wow. the, the last shot is like this creepy empty room of one of the inmates and they find one of the tapes that's what the session is that they were doing where they were talking to the alternate personality right, right. it's got this creepy little boy's voice mm. And uh, the thing in that story has gets into one of the guys who is he feels that his wife is having an affair or something, so he's already susceptible. And that last shot where you're looking at a creepy image of an old 
picture on a wall with all these other pictures of this little creepy kid and you're hearing on that tape that little voice say something like i i live in the weak and the broken or something yeah. <laughs> it's a very wow. creepy yeah i recommend it. it's a very well done independent film okay uh film yeah I had the the guy uh, who's it? david so David Caruso used to be on NYPD Blue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's in it. He's he's kind of like the name star okay. uh, from it. So wow. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Uh, I just uh, it sounded very familiar, and I remember. Uh, so I looked it up as we were talking here, and I totally remember that the uh, the movie, the cover for the movie, um, <laughs> working in the video store. Um, Back to, oh, sorry, Barry, go ahead. No, no, no. I I was just going to bring up a different uh, movie. I don't know if you've okay. seen it. I don't Mike know has you, probably seen it. So. <laughs> is it? Okay, there's a documentary. I think it's called Priest, and I could be wrong, but I thought that was the name of it. But the documentary is, uh, 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 it's of the um, a Catholic priest that is basically in charge of, like, demonic um, exorcisms. Uh-huh. Film crew shows up to where he's at in Italy, and it's just about all the people that come see him. Have you seen that, man? No, I have not seen that one. I it's really interesting, man, and I don't know what to make of it. Huh. You, you know, like, the skeptical side of me is like, man, is that, I mean, it, it definitely seems like it could be real, but, you know, uh -huh. but is it is it mental illness, or are all of these people possessed, or, you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. Right. It's a crazy, crazy movie. But it's a documentary. It's it's it, fascinating. Is it maybe? Um, I'm I'm trying to find this. Um, Deliver us from evil. Uh, let me look here. Dude. Maybe that. Um, well, while we're working on that, we'll take another tangent. Um, <laughs> getting back to mine. Um, d back to Philip K. Dick. Didn't he also believe that the that our Existence or universe ended or time ended somewhere around like 55 yeah. AD. Yeah, it's really, like, yeah, so that's it's where like, the I, Matrix kind of thing came well, from. Yeah, but his is much more interesting. He, I've heard, read two different versions of it, but one that's very well known is that he believed that history that that all history stopped in 70 AD with the fall of Jerusalem. Right, and we were still living in the first century. And that all history since was an illusion that the Roman Empire was had been fostering. But he also believed that time had started moving again with the birth of some messianic figure. Uh, you know, probably one of his greatest books is Vallis, V-A-L-I-S, mm -hmm. which is also autobiographical. And it's certainly the writing, although he wrote a lot of good books, but just the prose is style in that. It's like, you know, main stream, you know, Hemingway, Updike, I mean, just the voice and everything that he has in it, you know, right. is, is um, it's the, the right on that. And that's it. And it's biographical as well as, you know, but for him, the strange elements are just as real as the, you know, the common elements, <laughs> that everyday elements that um, he didn't see any really dividing line that he was probably one of the first truly postmodern people mm. where the line had erased between any categories, you know, and uh, yeah, he had weird stuff, you know, happen there uh, in in his life that just where it did seem like the line between what was inside his right. head and outside his head had, you know, collapsed. I, I was going to say that wasn't that wasn't Vallis the product of some kind of, uh, 
I don't know, vision or experience that was yeah, yeah, he, beyond. Uh, he had um, he believed that he was a that he was still that he was he believed he was a first century Christian under Roman persecution, right, and right. he had a um, actually Robert Crumb adapted this in a little short thing. That, uh, but he had uh, he had been to the doctor, the dentist. And um, and of course, you know, this is the thing too. Is that Dick was taken and dealing drugs, you know. Yeah. Too, well, I think a lot of amphetamines, stuff. But she brought him sodium pentothal, and she saw that uh, he saw she had that gold Christian fish around her neck, and like perhaps the light flashed on that or something, or he yeah. saw a pink strawberry flash, and that's when he saw that all the 20th century trappings he said were just illusionary and were in the first century, and she and I are secret Christians. And I mean, he started putting like the decals of the fish on the window with this, so he'd get that pink haze and or that strawberry thing. And I don't know what it is with him. He had a cat, I think, named Pinky, and uh, and he actually said he saw death coming for Pinky. And a few days later, Pinky was dead. But but apparently, he said Pinky gave him a good you know pat on the back basically or so that effect it's so, okay so fit feel or whatever as he passed <laughs> on or whatever but he said but it's what it was so weird because his wife said he would be here and they'd have the radio playing and she would say you know uh, he would say something like they're sending me secret messages mm-hmm. and she said they would unplug it out of the wall and it'd keep playing you wow. know wow. and uh and he was also listening to Strawberry Fields. Notice the pink imagery again. Mm-hmm. Strawberry Fields. And the lyrics started telling him something was wrong with his infant son. And they took him to the doctor. And sure enough, the kid had a hernia that would have killed him. So, you know, again, there are things in that. It's just like, it's hard to say that's just in your head, Phil, you know, yeah, or whatever. Of course. Some uh, intuition. Very, yeah, you know, some, some yeah, communication. That's yeah. a very. But but his whole psyche, you know, his whole element there was um, uh, was you know it wasn't a healthy. I mean, in that case, you know, something good came from it. But all in all, it wasn't really you know healthy with with him for sure. Um, yeah, right. And uh, but uh, yeah, he you know fascinating man though, uh, very fascinating man. And there's there's, there's a graphic novel adaptation of his life now. I understand. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, and also Vallis, there's a version of it that he wrote that he never meant to be published that can be published that you can read because it was he made a gift of it to another really good author, Tim Powers, mm-hmm. uh, who did the Anubis Gates and Last Call. They were buddies, and uh, in fact, Dick refers in Vallis uh, to one of his Christian friends who's always quoting C.S. Lewis to him and uh, irritating him. And I bet that's Tim Powers. <laughs> and, uh, um, but Tim Powers uh, published that after. So it's interesting because uh, Adam is kind of like an artist's study mm-hmm. for that book before the final portrait, which is Vallis. And uh, uh, it's called Radio Free Albumoth. And it reads more like the more pulpy pot bowler version mm. uh, and there's not a lot of overlap but in Vallis they go to watch a movie and the plot of the movie describes is the plot of Radio Free Albemuth and they huh. actually made a movie of that with Alanis Morissette of all people Wow! and it was a long time, independent film it was a long time coming out because Vallis is some kind of satellite 
thing and they wanted to get their I mean probably today looks kind of lame anyway the way it affects technology but at the time they were saving they weren't going to let it go to they could feel like they could get the effects on just that spaceship and yeah. uh, so you can see it I watched it it wasn't I, I mean it's I guess, I guess it's worth watching if you're interested in Philip K. Dick and it's an unusual choice you know for them to have made and it was an independent film but it's not by far not the best the book was, was entertaining enough and but uh, but Vallis itself was you know much better written. Yeah, know? wow. So, but uh, but anyway, but that you know, like I said, that's the stuff on the on the side of the dark and on the side of the <laughs> light. Yeah, yeah. On the side of the light, you know. Um, I had again a former student, and I saw her and her daughter and of uh, Bojangles, and I didn't remember. She remembered when we started talking in line, and then. Um, uh, I sort of I, I invited myself, I guess, to sit down with them. Uh, you know, <laughs> sure, sit down. So we're sitting there and we're eating, and she just, she says, "Do you believe in angels?" Uh, well, yeah, yeah. And she told me the story, and she said that she was in such physical shape, but not being able to walk. She was either walk. I guess she was walking with a cane. You know, she could not walk without a cane. <laughs> and she was in Walmart. Okay, here's an example of what Stephen King called the extraordinary within the ordinary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That uh, she's in Walmart, it gets better, <laughs> both, both on the extraordinary and the ordinary. Uh, she's in Walmart, and she suddenly says, I smell pancakes. I think I want to go to IHOP. So, she goes to IHOP, and there are two men there who come up and pray for her, for her healing, and she's healed. She walks out of that IHOP without a cane, perfectly wow. whole. Yeah. Now, I don't know if, that those guys, if those guys were angels or if they were just, you know, doing their IHOP ministry. I mean, you know, right, whatever. Right. I mean, that was, that, that, that was, that's an effective ministry right there. Yeah. You know, sure. right there. That's right. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting was that when they were talking about it, she and her daughter had a little disagreement about where exactly the men were when they walked in or something. And what's so very interesting to me about that is, you know, if a cop is interviewing witnesses on a case, if everybody's word lines up detail for detail, you're suspicious that somebody's making that up. Right. But a minor variance in detail, while they both agreed, you know, was yeah. that they were. And the way she says, like, no, mom, is like, you know, it was just, it was, a, a, you know, it just gave testimony to the reality of it. Mm -hmm. And the way she just casually referred to it. Like I say, she walked in the eye top on a cane and walked out on her own wow. feet. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, yeah. Did she describe the men at all? I mean. You know, I, I didn't go into that with her. And I guess that's one of those things you look back and say, well, yeah, why didn't you, you know, tell me? But I guess there was nothing especially exceptional, you know, about them. Uh, <laughs> didn't look like Brad Pitt or anything, you know, I uh, guess. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, what if they were like, you know. Like men in black or something. Yeah, okay. Like they weren't. They weren't levitate. Well, they they right. were angels of men in white. <laughs> you know? I mean, still, so, you know, it could be. You know, who knows? I mean, it, it, all the possibilities that are still, you know. Yeah, there. I wish. I, yeah, that's one of those things. I wish I had. I had asked. You know, we were Facebook. I guess we still are Facebook friends. But you know, if you don't have Facebook friend activity, your friends kind of start going down a deep shoot. You never see right. a message from them when they post and all that. Yeah. Um, 
So, I, you know, but yeah, it would be a good question to ask. But I'd assume that there was nothing other than that, or that their ability to get a prayer through, yeah. uh, or whatever the you know the deal was was with them. Which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. completely held, led there by the scent, which to me is very interesting. It just shows the kind of a rather whimsical side of God's nature. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to give this woman a whiff of some pancakes yeah. <laughs> and get her over here to heal her. Put you in the right spot. A, yeah. Having to play a little chess. Right, that's right. With, with pancakes and yeah, I so. hop. Which again, I think it's interesting where, where God is active in the margins, the extraordinary within the ordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. he's, he's not, you know, on the lawn of the White House raising right. columns of flames or whatever. I think, I think God has kind of a bit of contempt. For worldly power, he's not impressed. He would just soon, I'll heal that person and I hop. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't care if the press even knows about it. You know, right. or whatever. Right? Yeah. You know, well, yeah, man. So, yeah. Well, I think the moral of this story is to uh, let let your nose uh, guide you. You know, be like be like Toucan Sam and his nose knows. You know, have a, have a, have a, yeah, the spiritual messages of Toucan yeah. Sam. That's, right. <laughs> That's great. And the girl, the babysitter girl, she picked up the phone and there was a policeman on the other side. And he said, we've tracked the phone call and it's coming from inside the house. Whoa. Dude. I love those urban legend stories. Dude, I do too. And you remember the one where the girl, it's always the babysitter or it's the kids making out in Lover's Lane, but there's the one where the girl comes up and she finds the kids are watching TV and she turns them around and their face has SpaghettiOs. Oh, man. Or the hook guy. Remember the oh, hook the guy? Oh, the hook. The hook was hanging from the rear view yeah. mirror. Yeah. Yeah. So if you got a story that is similar to any of those awesome urban legends, we want to hear it. Because, you know, those urban legends, man, they started off as somebody's true life weird story. It's got to be true somewhere. A side note. Tell me things. The, uh, the movie I was uh, speaking of was called The Devil and Father Amorth. Okay, I missed that by okay. a mile. I did see one that was... They were trying to do some kind of Blair witchy thing. Yeah, no, this and, is real. Uh, this this is real, yeah. and this is in, oh, it's, it's, uh, it's an actual documentary. It's yeah. an actual documentary, and and I, I watch it, man, because I'd like to get your take on it. I'd like to see what you think about it. It's really disturbing. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, the movie I'm talking about was so cheesy because it got to the end, mm-hmm. and it's like they're having a car. And no, I've never seen this before. Not surprisingly, since. It's like there's going to be a car wreck, and the movie stopped, and they put up like an e a web address. I guess if you want to see what happened next, you cool. had to go home. It's like, who is your movie this way? That's this great. is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, that was bizarre. Yeah, that's that's a, yeah. William Sorry. Castle wouldn't have touched that tactic of yeah. Uh, yeah. of promotion. <laughs> but. So but anyway, Man. there you go. The, yeah, the, that's the great. Battle between good and evil in Eastern yeah. North Carolina. Yes, yes. <laughs> now, <clears throat> going back to Do Buddy, um, have you heard of a character called Tricky Sam? 
he sounds very similar um, to Do Buddy by the way you were describing him. And one of our uh, uh, other earlier guests um, told us about this character in um, Eastern North Carolina around Greenville and that area who was called uh, Tricky Sam. And he had all these things where he, you know, were similar things where he would like somebody put him in a room and he would, you know, evaporate. You know, escape it somehow. Yeah. I have not, these- I have not, not heard of him, which is very interesting that I would hear from somebody over in Washington, but not Greenville. No. Yeah, well, he was all, and it wasn't just Greenville. I mean, in the area, like in uh, Washington, all that stuff too. And it sounds, I mean, they found sound similar, but yet also it's not repeating the story. So it's not like this is this exact same mm. person. You know, uh, right. uh, similar characteristics, but, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. something about that part of the country that breeds that weirdness. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I again, I, you know, a student was telling me about a woman, you know, years ago in Goldsboro that his mother got sick and his dad was messing around with another woman. And the other woman, he got to look around the house and they found like a pouch. And the woman had apparently tried to put a hex on her or something. Said it had a piece of money in it. His mother had touched and oh. all this stuff. Yeah, trying to. So yeah, that's uh, the doing roots phenomena. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's that stuff. So, so yeah, like I say, people, you know, in our in our in our Western world, we've sort of. I think we take things through a lot of uh, filters, and mm-hmm. um, whereas if you go outside, you know the, the supernatural world and stuff is just right on the surface, running across, and people don't strain that, you know, try to strain that out. Right. right. But well, in our world, yeah. people will see. Yeah. People will see something totally incredible, and because it's not convenient. They'll just <laughs> look the other way. Right. That doesn't fit, you know, my, my nice little world. Right. You right. I like things to be, and it becomes easy to just, you know, walk away uh, mm-hmm. from it. And, I, and again, I think it's interesting that you even get that in the in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, showing I guess the, the the honesty of the, the of the, the reports of miracles in the Bible. I mean, there's one instance there where God speaks audibly to Jesus. And uh, the scripture says some people said it thundered, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so you had rationalist thinkers like that, that. That was thunder. And then my favorite is the guy who was blind from birth that Jesus heals. And it's obviously the same man saying people say, that's not him. That's just somebody that looks like him. You know. Yeah, right. So there again, yeah. human nature hasn't changed right. when yeah. there are people who see something that makes them uncomfortable, you know, that they can't deal then. No, it's got to be anything other. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. and in fact, I was, I was listening to a guy talk, a guy, he's a, he's a university professor and he's written two books. Uh, I mean, it's two volumes on miracles. Mm-hmm. And uh, it started out as a footnote in the commentary on the book of Acts. But he started building stories, these modern stories building. I mean, including one of a woman who had had an organ removed. I mean, they had the x-rays to show it. 
she had a diseased organ. Organ was removed, x-ray. They prayed for her, and then she had a new organ back. <laughs> x-ray showed wow, that it wow. was back in her in her body, right? And he was saying that um, that some guy that they had brought in who was dead, and that I mean, this guy was even starting to look funky. And God thumped the doctor to go back and pray for him. And a guy comes back and pray, and that guy revives, comes back to life. And the wow. nurse looks at that and asks the doctor, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. Yeah, stop, stop, leave him dead, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Cut it out. Stop raising dead people, you know, or whatever. Yeah. You're freaking me out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's not normal. Yeah. That's that's right. He should be yeah, cut it out. Let him. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, like the Monty Python joke. You know, it's, right? You know, that's right. Ah, uh, uh, you will. That's right. You will be. But cut it out, doctor. What are you doing? You know, yeah. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that you know. I mean, a lot of times it seems like with uh, like miracles and with the supernatural. And for any of this, it's it's embracing that kind of like um, it's embracing magical thinking. It's embracing the possibility for something outside of the normal, the extraordinary, and the ordinary. Like you said, it's it's opening your mind to that. And however, you know, filter you know you 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 use and you to frame it because we're all trying to just frame our realities. And and it's just if you're a I guess if you allow your mind to accept things that are normally outside of your frame of reference or normally outside of the frame of reality, how we, how you perceive it to work. And then that's where it's supernatural and that's where it's miracles. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's all these, these other things that we just, we can't, you know, specifically describe. Yes. It's that telepathic thing that we're sort of, talking about a little while ago it's like it's that thing when you think about your friend and they call you you haven't talked to him in forever you uh, know or, yeah. you know, yeah, what you know I mean? the, yeah synchronicity and uh, i say yeah well you know the hard the i've understand that the very hard line even like among academics and mm-hmm. intellectuals people like that that the hard line materialistic view of the universe and existence is is crumbling in intellectual circles mm-hmm. and uh and you know one of the main problems with that and i, I feel so dumb because i it's pointed out to me just recently in something i was reading but you know it's a lot of what we've been fed in school um that you know the totally naturalistic view of existence but that view cannot account for nature itself mm-hmm. being here because nothing in nature has ever been observed to come out of nothing nothing in nature has ever been observed and when you talk about empirical evidence you know which is what naturalism falls back on is observed has been observed to always exist and always go on forever so naturalism cannot even account for nature being here that's a that's not just a major flaw in your worldview that totally demolishes mm. you know your worldview you got nothing to stand well, on it, yeah, yeah that's what we've been fed you know and mm-hmm. given and we accept it because the teacher said it he's got a degree you know we all just defer to that but then you stop and think about it, it's like you're right that's totally groundless you know mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, i think that's more agenda driven than science driven yeah you know? yeah 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 we i mean that's a I think at a certain point the math breaks down, and then you you get into some other stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Our our minds can barely comprehend 
you know, complex math and things like that. And then you start talking about spiritual stuff and then you start losing a lot of people. A lot of people like they, they just don't want to participate, man. You know what I mean? They don't mm-hmm. to them. That's right. It's not, it's not convenient. We talked about know, this. So. We talked about this a little bit earlier is that, you know, in, in sometimes in larger cities, it's, it's, it's a different way of living, you know, and, and that is uh, neither better nor worse than, you know, the folks that live, out in the middle of nowhere, you know, but it's two different realities, really. It's two, we're all humans, but yeah. we're living in different frames of minds, you know, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, again, I think it's how you say it, it's how they're framing it, because reality mm-hmm. is what's real, you know. Mm-hmm. That's one thing Philip K. Dick did say. He said, what reality is what won't go away when you stop believing in it. <laughs> That's a great definition, man. Yeah, coming from Philip K. Dick, yeah, reality is what won't go away when you stop believing in it. Yeah, wow. And, uh, but it's, it's that that frame, and it's a bit of what the um, the the uh, was it Heisenberg, I think, the quasim physicist has said. It's mm. not nature we observe, but nature exposed to our method of questioning. Exactly. Uh, yes, you, you yes. Know, wow. Yeah, it's 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 that's profound. If you, what if you're asking the wrong question? Yeah. Uh, right. And someone else has pointed out that a problem with science is to, to fall in love with your measuring stick, with your yardstick, right. and refuse to yeah. see beyond those 12 inches if suddenly there is something beyond the 12 inches. But no, the 12 inches, you know, I'm in love with my yardstick and I'm going to stick, you know, I'm sticking to it, right. you know, with, with right. that. And um, Because so I can see it and be, because it exists. Know, yeah, because it exists within my frame yeah, of reference. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, you know, too, there, the, the fact is there are abstractions, and I think this is something even apart from spiritual, but there are things that are non-concrete that are real. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Nobody has ever seen the number two walking around. Right. 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 You know, we've seen two of something, two fingers, two cats, two right? right. But the mm-hmm. number two is real. But nobody's ever seen it. Right. Uh, Mathematical, I mean, musical notes, you know, the vibrations of music and those things. I mean, someone like Beethoven, who is uh, composing death, I think, toward the end of his life, right? You have to ask your question, you know, was that music less or more real for him than the people who could hear it? Because all they heard was a, uh, this is very Plato, very Platonic was a copy a you know a um a transmission uh on strings of cat gut and all the violin strings and things right, right? they were in the right. what played the you they were here the form of the pure mathematics in his head right and yet it was a copy yet we would say poor man he never heard his own music Yet he seemed to be, by being tapped into what we think of as an abstraction, those forms could not exist without something that you can't see, oh, taste, yeah. touch. Oh, yeah. Here. Yeah. yeah. So there's something transcendent. I believe the spiritual's beyond even that. I know yeah, it is. Of course. But even that is a form That's of transcendence of yeah. that, that shows you that mere material if i can't see it or touch it i don't believe in it sure you right. do yeah you know, everybody believes in number two of course you know, everybody's in a, fr- or a or a musical note <laughs> and you've never seen taste or nobody's ever heard a musical note really right you've just heard the form or, or perfect copy yeah and again right. that's all very all very plato you know yeah 
Well, even you know, even you know, language is the same thing because you don't see, you can see a rep, you see the representation of the word, and the word is representing, you know, itself. It's a saying it represents an an idea or you know, the construct or whatever, and it's all you know, everything is every. It, there's so much more abstract than right. we realize because we're so familiar with how we, you know, perceive and communicate these right. ideas and these things that we don't even think about it every it's all second nature. So. And that's that's why yeah. well, that's why we have to use Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry go ahead. No, go ahead. No. I was just going to say that's why art and music is is important. I mean, that's why it's in, important to the human race because you know that that allows you to step outside the mundane and see into someone's representation of what life is, oh, yeah. you know? And you you hear it in music and you see it in art and um a beautiful song or or uh, a poetry or whatever i mean it's we're we're we're, we're an interesting um phenomenon when it t when it comes to that you know we're we're, we're weird creatures that uh, are able to emote you know and come together yeah. you know come together in community yeah and uh, as you say art will take you uh beyond uh you know into some if not into the spiritual it will take you into some form of transcendence something that mm -hmm. breaks the bonds of the earthly and that transcendence can come from somebody touching their child for the first time their uh -huh. baby that's just been delivered right but yep. it may be a beautiful piece of, of classical music when you mm -hmm. hit those certain notes yep. it may be a great film mm -hmm. you know it may be a great uh, a great painting um that there is something or, or something that you read in a story and the use of language it's it's mm -hmm. it's right. opening a, a door to something beyond and yes and it is intrinsically human I, they found the um skeleton of a guy who was so primitive he was carrying a spear you know which meant you know you either killed you had supper yeah. or you were supper i guess right, right. Yeah. right you know right. Whatever, right but also along with his spear they found like a little woodwind instrument on him wow so wow. as primitive as he was wow. he was an artist he was yeah. a musician and he had the same pleasure the same aesthetic rapture or joy as you or I with our headphones, you know, if I've been crude or whatever, but that was the same human wow. spirit in him that was, yeah. you know, that's, and that's why great art and great literature is, is timeless because human nature doesn't really change. And we have a record, as you were saying, of an artistic expression of a particularly keen mind. Yeah. If it's a William Shakespeare, if it's, you know, if, if it's a Samuel Johnson, if it's a Michelangelo, somebody who has captured something that is relevant for all times, universal, right. and, we've, and we have access to their thoughts, to their vision, mm -hmm. uh, these keen artistic minds, that's that's priceless, you know, that that's yeah. that's incredible. For sure. Uh, to lose that would be awful, you know, to yeah, lose absolutely. that would be yeah. terrible. Um and uh, again, people are not really probably taught to appreciate it like they they mm -hmm. should, you know, and they diminish uh, right. their abilities to be able to uh, to access uh, higher sources of, of wonder. Right. You know? and I, and I mean, I, I've had to I've, I've, I've had to work at liking classical music. Sure. You know? Yeah. Right. And I, still, and I still like rock. You know, I still like rock. <laughs> But classical music about brushes the floor of heaven, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and you listen to that, and it's 
that's why in poetry too and i mean you know good poetry well disciplined poetry not free form it's almost like classical music because mm-hmm. it's a union of so many things of mathematics and, right you know of them and beauty and aesthetics and sounds you're just really it's all very heightened yeah. stuff you know and you kind of have to develop an appreciation for that but it's mm-hmm. it's worth it you know and of course that's just a fact of life isn't it that about anything worthwhile you have to work for exactly anything that you really appreciate you have to work for if things come too easy then you take them that's right take them for granted you gotta you gotta work harder to you gotta work easy yes yeah you gotta work harder to to maintain it you know (laughs) that's so true man yeah Yeah, i always enjoy our conversations because they do uh wander uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so very much. This is and Micah used to come to my comic shop and hang out, and he would we'd be there till for after hours closing after time. closing, just talking yeah. about any number of things, Either talking from one subject and going through. Or are yeah. watching, uh, riding the bus with my sister with Rosie <laughs> O'Donnell, or the room. <laughs> Tommy was so on your little TV in the back. Yes, yeah. <laughs> good, good times, man. Remember yeah. when I thought that the guy in the Rosie O'Donnell movie was Michael, Michael Jordan? Played yeah. Gordon, and you were like, boy, Rosie must be tall. You know, it's, like, it's Michael Jordan. Player. It wasn't Michael Jordan, but it's. Uh, <laughs> uh, Michael was convinced it was Michael, it was Michael Jordan. Jordan. And there was like, no- he's running around in a, in a basketball jersey. He's in a bald head. So, uh, <laughs> there was no getting around. It is. <laughs> Not, I mean, the TV that we watched on was also a very small television as well, so it didn't help out. It was not a well shot, yeah, uh, or or good movie by any means, but it was definitely entertaining uh, for all the wrong reasons. reasons that's I right. Mean, it was like it's the golden age of Hallmark television. Was, yeah, that was a, in itself a very weird, bizarre movie. Taken out of context, it was so strange, so strange, but. But yeah, so it was the funniest things. Michael was just swore up and down. He was watching Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. That was wrong. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Not recognizing. Yeah, I stand corrected. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, everybody, you're listening to the What's Your Weird Story podcast. You probably knew that already because you're listening or downloaded to the episode off of your iTunes or your Spotify or whatever place you get your podcast from. We want to thank you for listening. We also want to remind you to like us, follow us, subscribe to us, make sure that you get your new podcast episode every week. We'd also like to ask you to rate and review so that we can grow our audience. We can have more friends. We can have more stories. So thanks for listening to What's Your Weird Story. But yeah, uh, man, it's been nice hanging out with you guys again. Those are good times at the comic shop, Adam. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah those are good times. Hey, uh, um, so uh, I got a question for the author. Um, do, did you have another book come out, by the way, Micah? Or are you... Or yeah, is there, just, is there another one coming out? I have I have a novel. Yeah, I have a novel that came out in November. A, a epic fantasy romance. Although I'm I'm working on my own particular niche, so it's epic fantasy forbidden romance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hear forbidden romances like that are very popular on well, adult 
or a video website. Yeah, so well, yeah. it may not be the same kind of. <laughs> yeah, well, no, this this is the this is the classic of you know the 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 princess and the tutor you know that kind of okay. you know yes you're not of our royal blood young man you know don't you dare look twice at her highness you know thing but also she's possessed um and that complicates things by by the snow queen she's our, our oppressed she thinks ah. she thinks she's the snow queen uh, but she's not. She has no powers or anything, but she thinks she's a Snow Queen. She thinks she's elemental. She's a 17-and-a-half-year-old girl who's on the throne or headed for the throne, and she can't even relate to other people as human, and um, and she's really obnoxious. Uh, she's run off four other tutors, so they get a 24-year-old boy. You can see where this is heading. And uh, <laughs> he's the only boy on the block, and she doesn't have any friends, and uh, but um, she, he's a failed poet because he's really terrible. His, uh, his big, <laughs> this is this his his big claim to fame was entitled "Upon a Fjord Dying Young," and uh, that's uh, his, <laughs> his, his right. And everybody keeps oh, messing up and thinking his heroic dog Ute is really a goat, a heroic goat. And uh, you know, <laughs> he's like, "No, it's a dog, you of Dan White Fang's, you know, Svenjorgen, the Viking king, and um, whose girlfriend is in fact dying young on the fjord." And um, it's uh, she. She actually, instead of wasting away, I actually I cut this out of the novel, the details of the poem. But instead of wasting away, she was one of these people who starts eating when she's upset because her lover's gone, so she puts on a lot of weight, and she um, <laughs> why. Why well, in a coma? <laughs> a Valkyrie inspires her to make an ongoing funeral pyre, burning of her all the of her body fat, so he'll have a way to come. <laughs> I told you this guy was terrible, a poet. Anyway, they didn't make it. Yeah, you're you're getting you're you're getting the uh, the the uh, the, uh, the the extra feature cut scenes here because that yeah, this, this book ends up being like 630 pages. So yeah, that's uh, great. I wasn't wow. told that my, that my that my character was coming off as a bit off putting, so I decided <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll cut this Shelve stuff. that. And, Shelve uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but basically, he gets he he can't be a poet, but he gets with her and finds out that she is in the fact that the target. Of several occult, court occult conspiracies, um, it takes place in the 1840s in alternate history of uh, where magic is real, and um, basically the kingdom is like the lower third of where Norway would be, and. Um, she's targeted because there are different people. There's actually a thing out of medieval lore called the Last World King, uh, who was supposed to be. The king right before the Antichrist, who would run, who would rule the world. And so you have different factions, different people who want to get on that throne. Uh, and um, and they, they want to use her, you know, this, this possession. And I did actually um, tie in some actual uh, occult techniques, cult techniques of how you break down somebody's sense of self and personality. And um, you find the first version of her story is all very 
Disney, all very Maleficent walks into the hall of the blessing, and you didn't invite me, but kind of thing. And then you find out it's more like MK Ultra. Uh, this cult was <laughs> okay. working on slow. This cult was working on her as a kid to break down her personality and to uh, to open her up, speak open her up to this entity. Basically, the Snow Queen is there. The cult's familiar. Uh, there, she's sort of a pawn, and there's a bigger threat behind all that um and uh, so the, the enamored young tutor you know suddenly finds that the extracurricular activities just got a lot more interesting and dangerous and and uh and fantastical um and so yeah portrait of a, of a snow queen it awesome, does also man. feature a, a cthulhu impersonator great uh, who is <laughs> well he, he just he's he's not quite Cthulhu. It's just kind of got tagged in tone to him. He's imprisoned under a glacier instead of under, which is a form of being imprisoned underwater. Right. So got tagged on. Yeah. So there's we're keeping our snow element going and our theme going. But yeah, it's a bit of uh, awesome. if you think of frozen cross with a bit of taming of the shrew with a lot of with a PG thirteen Game of Thrones element. Nice <laughs> man. Nice. You know, and, 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 yeah. yeah. Some hammer horror. I, I cast Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee in it in my in my head. Right. And I started writing those guys, and when Peter Cushing finally walks on stage in character, he started writing himself. And it was uh, it has a cover by uh, Aaron Lepresti, who was the regular Wonder Woman artist for two years. Still very active. Nice, and beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. portrait yeah. of the Snow Queen. Wow, on Amazon. Very cool. On Amazon, you can find that, and it does have uh, the covers really. Fantastic, yeah. and um, only ninety nine cents on Kindle for right now too. There you go. There you go. You don't eat. Yeah, yeah, just what have you got to lose? A buck. That's nice. right. Yeah. Less nice. than a dollar. That's, that's, that's yeah. right. That's a buck. You don't, you don't have to take it down. To, you don't have to take it down to Goodwill when you're through. <laughs> just you know, if you don't like it, yeah. But I do. But but the book version, we work really hard to create something not just with the cover, but with the interior illustrations and the whole presentation. I I wanted to get back. Back to the to the time when a book was an event, right. you know, when print media was an event in the 19th century, the 20th century, and the kind of production values and things that you know, and you know, certainly the fact that it's 603 some pages long gives it some presence. <laughs> you know, right. and no I'm kidding. working on the follow up now. So. Awesome, yeah. man. How, how long of a? I mean, how long of a process is that for you, man? To 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 is this a a year? few year long process of writing a, a novel off and on off and on that book especially when it was so long was probably around three years okay and um but i did some other things in between i did a short story uh, a lovecraftian short story uh for an anthology called the chromatic court okay um that was a spin-off of the the king and yala the robert chambers story is actually before lovecraft but it's been grafted into the and uh, i did a story um called a tattered amalian in gray uh which is one of, i'll never write anything that dark again uh, i literally laid in bed and ate over it it bothered me so bad it starts it starts off in a holocaust camp with a guy entertaining Jewish kids during Purim while the smoke from the ovens are blowing over them and he's doing his little 
puppet show, The Ashes. This is one of the lighter moments Shit. of the story. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's one of the. I think it's one of the best things I've written. But man, I am not going in that place again. Yeah. And when I when I started writing it, it wasn't that way. But it was too long. I had like two parallel stories. I had to cut one, and this was the back story. And um, and then also the uh, my version of the character of Becky Sharp from the 19th century novel Vanity Fair. Uh, there was a Dorian Gray anthology uh, that uh, – back to Adam, I owe you a copy of that book. I've been thinking about that. i got to send you a copy. i got to get in touch with the editor and uh, get you a copy because you're mentioned in the introduction. Um, it was an anthology dedicated to new adventures of Dorian Gray uh, from Wild Hunt Press, and that's also available on Amazon. And I wrote a Becky Sharp novella for that. And so doing that and doing this book, you know, I could have got it done sooner. And plus, at that same time, of course, my mom got sick. Yeah. And uh, so that started. And then I had the retirement thing. So because of the retirement thing, you know, I lost about a month. And, uh, and uh, you know, other things I wrote. And so I made a, a, a pitch. Uh, for a Tarzan novel uh, that unfortunately was not accepted, and you know, I wish I had all that time back. Uh, <laughs> you know, get on my own book. Right. Uh, yeah, I was kind of I was in a rush to get it out before Frozen Two. Uh, right. You know, because I, I didn't want anybody to think that. Uh, oh, that certainly was, as I say, an inspiration. Mm-hmm. I went back to Anderson's original. I went to the Ice Maiden, which is a darker story of his, and. You know, I tied in other things. Uh, even um, I'm probably the first person to cross over Robert E. Howard and Hans Christian Andersen, uh, but it, <laughs> but it, but it is there. And so, you know, there are others saying I worked hard to make my own world and my own brand and my own series. So, I, you know, I didn't want to look like I was just tagging along. Of course, I'll take all the publicity I could sure. get that way. Sure. But I wanted, to, you know, to, to stand to stand on its own. And so there's a lot of pressure there that I could do with that. And plus something just that long. I can't write anything that long again. Coming under that tide of a deal. And just the proof. Well, I hired in a professional editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, follow-up is going to be shorter. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The follow-up's going to be shorter. Follow-up's very pulpy. Uh, I'm uh, only just over 100 pages in. I've already hit the tropes of Tars and Lost Civilization. I've got my shadow Batman type character, you nice. know, all within 100 pages, yeah, or something. That's yeah, great. but That's... it is all it is all it is all one story, you know. It does from the Snow Queen novel, even though the Snow Queen novel does have an ending, you know, and it does you know reach a point and uh, and, and uh, there, this will take the characters further, but. But Portrait of a Snow Queen is, you know, a story that works pretty much, you know, very much on its on its own, you know. It has an open end. There is, there's, there are a lot of the, all the major plot lines are resolved, uh, except that, you know some characters' fates are up in the air at the end. But you know, it's 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 as much uh, ending as Gone with the Wind is, yeah. you know. And people have been reading that for seventy years. You know, it yep. works. <laughs> yeah, yep. and, uh, and I. Had somebody actually compare it to the ending of Casablanca? Said so they thought the ending was just as held up as just as good as the beginning. So it's still that's great, man. Is enough of its own thing. Yeah, very good. Killer. Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, well, we definitely wanted to make sure we got that mentioned. Um, yeah, thank you. Because we like to, you know, we like to support our friends, and um, so yeah, so guys, you know, we hope everybody will check that out, and you get a few. Uh, you know, a few bites there yeah. for, the, for 99 cents. Yeah. yeah. And also my, my website is a minor profit press. 
dot com m i n o r p r o f i t p r e s s dot com and if you go there there are links to not only that you can see what some of the re- people on Amazon had said about the book mm-hmm. and um, and also other links to things I've written of uh, including the the most depressing uh, thing I ever wrote which actually made a guy a uh, guy who gave it a, that story, Tattered of Mailing and Gray, gave it a great review, but said he had never had a story make him cuss on the fir- uh, first line <laughs> before. That's right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, I've had another guy who uh, the graphic novel Heaven's War. Uh, these guys were saying like, you know, this will give you a headache. So I'm thinking my books need to start coming with a surgeon's general warning. <laughs> uh, you know. Warning may induce, yeah, uh, you know, rounds of uh, Tourette's level swearing <laughs> and headaches. Uh, you know, but then I, like, I get real guts. You know, yeah, yeah. I dare you to read my story. You don't have the guts. <laughs> you don't have the will guts. Will you risk your? Will you risk your health? I don't think so, you, you punk. Yeah, read my. <laughs> you want to know what scary is? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Yeah. Like I'm going to ask a question for our uh, occasional co-host and our, our, our resident uh, Bigfoot expert okay. and special correspondent. Have you ever considered uh, writing Bigfoot erotica? You know, I you know I I am aware of Bigfoot erotica. It's not in my personal library. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but yeah, but I did, you know, I, I think it came out in the, who was the, the woman in Virginia, the politician who outed her opponent as yes. being a fan of Bigfoot porn. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what is That's this? Great. And I'm looking at this like, this is, this is such a bizarre world. <laughs> it was like a Saturday Night Live skit. And this yes. is, uh, yeah, yeah. But, but no, yeah. I do, I do refrain both from, uh, Bigfoot and erotica, and certainly the combination. The twain <laughs> shall never meet. <laughs> You're not into well, that. What's wrong? With you me, know. Uh, yeah, I'm a yeah, I'm a child of the '70s, man. I mean, Bigfoot. I yeah. remember when Bigfoot was the fresh big oh, thing. Yeah. Uh, remember, there was a Bigfoot character on the Six Million Dollar Man. Right. Played by Andre the Giant. Uh, really? Yeah. And also, your your Bigfoot. Here's a bit of a trivia. Uh, for your your sometime co-host Bigfoot correspondent, he may want to look this up. I can remember being in high school in the seventies and going through a magazine, and some wine or, or liquor company—I'm not joking—this was their promotional. They had like a map they drawn or a thing, and they had buried a case of their alcohol in Bigfoot Country. And the challenge was, you know, you go out and dip Bigfoot Country, and you will find our chest of wine and dig it up. This is real. This is a real. You know, that's how big Bigfoot was that's in the seventies. That that wine company that's would, great. you know, bury a cast right in the heart of Bigfoot land and challenge how their go find. How it. many people went out and Man, did the 70s that? Seventies were wild. Oh yeah, I, that's a good question. Who did it? Yeah, we didn't have. You know, uh, uh, in terms of social media, there was no such thing as far as keeping tabs. But just the fact that crazy. they had that gloss. I mean, it's like a glossy magazine in color math. Yeah. You know, no yeah. telling how much they paid for that. Yeah. You know, we you remember, buried it in the heart of Bigfoot country. You remember the ads that you would send away for shit at the back of, like, comics and stuff? You'd, like, send away for... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I remember buying, like, a survival knife, you know, with the compass on top of it. And you'd send your money away, <laughs> and, like, eight weeks later, it would take two months for them right. to get that thing to you. Uh, yeah, what was the... Why, why does the <laughs> so much quickly now? <laughs> I know. You know? Yeah. 
there couldn't have been that there had to be less mail back then yeah you know, to be yeah but yeah it's like you maybe it's just because we were kids and it seemed like everything took longer yeah you know yeah. when you're a kid like you're waiting forever and now you know like at my age like i have no time at all you know when theoretically no kidding dude you know i get up every morning and I don't have a job to go to, but it seems like I have less time right. and that I'm constantly, you know, I told a friend today that my days are like a spool of plain ribbon. You know, you can't cut it, cut it off anywhere. You know, there are no defining, yeah. you know, except, you know, okay, on Sunday I go to church, but then Saturday is just kind of like Friday or Monday or Wednesday. Right. And then holidays, well, I'm kind of off every day, but also working every day. Right, right. I'm trying to get my writing going. That's so, awesome, man. Yeah, it seems like I, I simultaneously have more time and less time than, than ever. Well, yeah. I think that's, that, that's great. That's great that you're, you're putting your efforts into things that you love and enjoy doing. You know, uh, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. That's pretty much what, you know, that's, that's where my fun's coming from. That's great. <laughs> you know, that's great. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't want to leave that. I don't want to leave that imaginary world. Of course, you know, man. Unless they open, unless they open a new KFC. <laughs> you know, then I, then, hey, I gotta ask you. What was? Your, do you remember? Do you remember your first bite of the kernel? I mean, do you remember? I don't. I don't actually. I don't actually remember the first taste. Okay. But, but I do remember getting the box. And yeah. I think we were in Tennessee, and yeah. I think to remember, and I remember the old folks back home sheet music. Yes, yes. Was it yeah. original or crispy? Extra crispy? There was no extra crispy in those days. Uh, oh, so it was just uh, yeah, yeah. We're the sixties, man. I tell you the thing: the original that, seven herbs, and that I think gave <laughs> one of the original seven herbs. Yeah, it was so far back. <laughs> the first one he put in, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, I worked uh, briefly at a KFC in high school, and. Uh, uh, I've seen how that sausage is made, and you know I definitely am not. <laughs> <laughs> you of course, make I've any also been a vegetarian for over twenty years. So you know. yeah. I tell you, I, was that was that what pushed you over the edge? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you who the who the what the real winner is on the KFC menu is the biscuits, man. Those fr- fresh hot biscuits, dude. Oh, oh forget yeah, about it. Was, yeah. Oh. yeah, when I was younger, I would have said the uh, potatoes and gravy. Well, that too. Man, that's the, that that's too. a given, though. But, uh, that's a given. Those biscuits. Oh, so good. Well, now their new thing is something like the, the Nashville hot chicken or something. Yeah. So they got yeah. their hot chicken. I've tried oh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. tried it. Have you tried it? Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, yeah, I like it. In fact, I'm thinking right now I'm going to have some. That's what my lunch is going to be tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so talking, yeah. There you go, yeah. man. <laughs> what an interesting turn for a, for a paranormal podcast. Yeah, glad we could talk. We could talk glad we, we could hash that we, out. We talk KFC <laughs> and fast food. <laughs> uh, Looking for that so sponsorship. Sponsored by the KFC. Yeah, yeah. The vegetarian, yeah, the, KFC, the half vegetarian. <laughs> you have to hit me up yeah, for that. If you want to throw some money, man, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go back. You know, for uh, for at least I'll say it. I'll yeah, read the mind. Yeah, you'll eat the biscuits. It, so. <laughs> you'll eat the biscuits. <laughs> I'll eat the biscuits. You eat the biscuits. I'll eat the hell out. Oh uh, yeah. Oh man! Well, I think we've run the gamut. I think we have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always, always. How do you? Pleasure. Thanks, guys. You're welcome. Good to talk. Good to talk to you, man. Always a good time. And yeah, it's just it's 
you never know where it's gonna go, and that's uh, we. I've always appreciated that about uh, hanging out with you. So super. Well, you have a good night, sir. We appreciate you being on. And guys, too. Uh, Thank you so much for having me back. It's been, yeah, been nice. Yeah. I, I, I needed this. It's been good for my yeah. mental health. Good, good. good. <laughs> hey, come well, back. Hey, anytime, come back anytime. You know, you got. Uh, yeah, anytime you want, man, <laughs> come back and you know we'll talk. You, uh, you find you, you find some more curious research and <laughs> stuff to share. Then we'll uh, maybe some people will tell me some more interesting. Fun facts. Yeah. Of the <laughs> world. Hey, find a, find a way to work uh, KFC into your next novel, okay? The Colonel, yeah. Put the Colonel in, you know, because he's the Colonel's big, big and back now. You know, he's all over the place. That's right. So. Yeah, that's portrayed by Billy Zane, <laughs> amongst yeah, others. Right. Amongst you know, others. One of the look, one of the best that has done it. Uh-huh. That has been the colonel was uh, Reba. I don't know if you ever saw that yeah. one, but Reba McIntyre yeah. was right. the colonel. I like Norm wow. MacDonald. Yeah. <laughs> Reba McIntyre is Colonel. Well, that's like that Bob Dylan movie now, isn't it? Where they yeah. had all yeah. the actors you didn't yeah. get all these actors to play Colonel Saunders. <laughs> yeah, they had they had um they had a promo with the uh, WWE and so they had a bunch of like their wrestlers dressed up as the colonel, and they had a match where they had like I don't know five or six colonels wrestling each other wow. to find out who to be the colonel. <laughs> that was bizarre. That's awesome. So it's like, and they're wearing the, they're wearing the colonel's they he's they're not wearing the the coat, but they're wearing the pants and uh, the shirt and the bow tie, <laughs> and they have the goatee and a and a wig on. Uh-huh. And um, but and but their shirts are sleeveless, so it shows all their you know their muscles. That's right, their guns. Yeah, that's great. and yeah, dude, that's out there. That's that's out there. And yeah, like you go and I mean, there's so many people that have been the, as part of the new you know uh, campaign for the past couple of years. So many different people have played the colonel, and it's brilliant that they yeah. did that. Because and the reason they did that is they hired somebody and he creeped people out. Yeah. He looked very good as the colonel, uh, but he creeped people out. So they switched him. And then like somebody was like, you know, that's people noticed that they switched, right? So then they're like, oh well people notice, people pay attention these days. Let's keep switching. Norm McDonald was one. He was yeah, great. He was awesome. <laughs> you know, as the great as you know, as this Canadian comedian who yeah. he's already got his own weird way of talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh and try and doing being the colonel. Yeah. It's so strange, but it <laughs> yeah. works so well because you know it's Norm. It's uh, he's but yeah, it's, it's, that's a weird phenomenon, but it's a really great yeah. campaign. Yes, he's, he's like a time lord now. He regenerates into yeah. different girls. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, it's the doctor. It's the colonel <laughs> <laughs> from the time lord of Gallifrey. He's opening a franchise. Yes. Oh, yeah. Rassle on if you Gallifrey. try the chicken chinders. They're delicious. Mm, extra crispy. Uh, Romana. They're wonderful. Mm. Yes. Gallifrey fried chicken, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. All right, man. Well, we'll let you go. We're going to. Okay, guys. All right. Thanks yeah. a lot again, guys. Great talking. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take care, Mike. See you, man. All right. Bye. All right. Bye bye. Bye.
Hey, that's a nice t-shirt you got on there. Oh, thanks, dude. It's brand new. Do you like that? It's one of the official What's Your Weird Story t-shirts. Where'd you get that? It's funny that you ask. I just got it off the brand new Spreadshirt.com site for the What's Your Weird Story podcast. There's no www. You just go straight to shop.spreadshirt.com backslash what's without the apostrophe W-H-A-T-S hyphen Y-E dash w-e-i-r-d dash s-t-o-r-y and that'll take you right there i mean you can never own enough clothing well that's true barry there's t-shirts for the ladies because you know they're cut differently there's hoodies which are really cool there's two different kinds of hoodies and there's also tote bags so you can tote your stuff that's so cool man so if you guys go out to spreadshirt.com what's your weird story currently there are two designs but there will be more going up very soon so just keep your eyes out for that and if you decide to get one of our shirts tag yourself on instagram to ours or facebook show your love show us what you got let's see your true colors i think at this point we've mastered the meandering conversation don't you i think so (laughs) i think so um that's one of the (laughs) that's one of my favorite things about talking with micah is that you never know where the conversation is going to go i mean it's just going to shoot off and it'll come back and touch and it'll then it'll go off again you know And I've known Micah for years, and it's always been like that, and it's fantastic. Yeah, he's versed in so many things. Yeah. Yeah, so many weird, arcane, and pop cultural things, and it's just fascinating. And, you know, and it's true, like he said, you know, beyond the fact that, you know, he collects cultural knowledge of pop culture and weird knowledge and stuff like that. People tell him weird stories. People right. come and tell him these weird things. And it was cool that he had those to share. I think you can see why, you know, yeah. because he's such an interesting guy. People probably like to bounce things off of him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and see his take mm-hmm. on it. And he's such a good storyteller too, you know, I mean, yeah. obviously he's a writer, but uh, a fascinating guy to talk to, you know, does it get any more Southern than buddy i mean you know that kind of uh of a, of a tale can only happen in the south well and what's so interesting you know as we talked about it before is it, it do buddy and tricky sam seem to have inhabited that same yeah. kind of sphere right in the same area they yeah. operated in the same area and i don't know if it was maybe because like i had Crossing. heard before i had not heard yeah. tricky sam so maybe Right. Maybe Doobuddy was the one who right. gave his powers to Tricky Sam. Who knows? Right. You know? There'd be a passing of the torch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Um, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird stuff, but yeah. it's cool. Yeah, it you is. Know? It is. And there's great local flavor. And then the, I love the fact that how he's talking and the story about the uh, – the the mischievous spirit spirits i guess mm-hmm. um for lack of a better word playing with the angels and making them do like you know yes you know making them look like they're getting it on right <laughs> 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 i could yeah. put it more delicately than right. i did but yeah right. that's hilarious that's, uh, yeah somebody's got a sense of humor <laughs> the student uh his student that was healed at ihop ihop yeah yeah, yeah. The healing power of IHOP, or I, was it more? You know, I, I think uh, I, I always get the pancakes on the side, and I feel like I'm healed <laughs> after I've eaten them. So I get it. I get it. 
<laughs> but no, that's really that's wild. It's really cool. I mean, because you know the occurrences that set that into motion. You know, where yeah. she was at Walmart, it thought she smelled pancake so right. she's like well i want to go to ihop and then she goes to ihop and yeah she can walk out of ihop without her cane i mean you know because these guys and that's you know i mean there's whether you are uh, a believer or not and or whether you know your particular faith is one thing or another there is something about that kind of you know the power of, even doctors will say that you know prayer helps people right. and they don't know why right you know but you know there's something about in prayer or in belief right or you know having that kind of a positivity or having you know be, you know the, the the power of the belief you know there's something about that that is real and it's you know yeah. and we can't you can't know explain it. we don't know exactly how it works but it does that's right you know so yeah, it's, that's it's right. the power of the mind it's the power of the universe or that's right or you know or what or right. god or you yeah. know whoever you prescribe to you know absolutely i pancakes i don't right. know right <laughs> <laughs> that's true man you know they we talk about that a lot in martial arts because it's there's a lot of that same thing kind of going on it's like you put your mind mm-hmm. to, you know to something in order to create, and it sounds woo-woo, uh, a lot of people get caught up in the woo-woo aspect of it, but the idea is you put your intention towards something and you make it happen, you know, and uh, yeah. I've always said that um, I don't discount spirituality and, and, and all that because uh, there's there's something to it. There's something to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, there's all sorts of ways of perceiving it and you know, yeah. like as we talked about, that's with, the beautiful uh, thing about Philip K. Dick. Yeah, you know, right. And all the way he perceived things and, and stuff like that. And again, that's just another example of how any conversation with Mike is going to go, you know, in six thousand different yeah. directions. And it's just that's what's it's great, entertaining and fun. Those yeah. are the friends yeah. that you you enjoy talking to and sharing with and listening to. You know, in those types of conversations, I just try to listen and and i think as you get older you start learning that like conversation is less about you and more about someone else you know and right and that's right. really the great thing about what we do here is because you and i kind of take a back seat to mm-hmm. the story being told and we're just there and wherever the conversation goes is wherever it goes but it's it's a cool thing to um to just have great people on thank you micah for, for yeah. being on here man yeah, thanks a bunch, man. It's, Mike has always been a very good friend. Uh, it's just always, you know, just incredible pleasure just to, just to talk to him. So we hope, Mike, all the success. Check out his uh, his newest book. You can get it on Amazon. I think he said it was like 99 cents for the digital version. Awesome. Um, it is the uh, portrait of a snow queen. Great. Um, so check that out. Mike is really, you know, I mean, he's he, he can tell a tale, like Barry said. So, and you've probably been at home for a few for a few days now, a week or so, probably crawling up the walls. Maybe, hopefully not. Hopefully everybody's adjusting well to to this new uh, time that we're in, experiencing. But hey, you know, if you want to talk to us, you've got a weird story, or you can tell. Uh, you know, you got a good story or whatever, man. Just get a hold of us through our email. What's your weird email? It's yer at gmail.com. You know, call on the hotline, 513-909-9821. 
hit us up on our social media accounts, whatever, you know, get a hold of us. We love talking to people. We love talking to you guys. If you don't have a story, you know, or you think you don't have a story, tell your friends, tell your family, find one for us, send somebody our way. And so we can all sit down and share and talk and, and have a good time and take our minds off of the real world and uh, what's going on everywhere, and and just have just have it a good time. So. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Cool deal. We'll join us again next week, and we will be here, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you like you like it. Come on. You like it. You like it. Come you on. know you do. So we hope you do at least we humbly. So, but uh, yeah, join us next week, and until then, be safe. Be weird. As always, if you have a weird story, we want to hear it. If you have a lot of them, we want to hear them all. We can't do this podcast without your invaluable contributions. Whether it's sharing your stories, listening, rating, and spreading the word about the podcast. Thanks for listening. Till next time, be safe. Be weird. The stories presented on the What's Your Weird Story podcast are, to our knowledge, true experiences that our guests have had. We can't take the time to research all claims made, and besides, it's just not as fun.